Mark continues his teaching series through the book of 1 Samuel, he'll be reminding us that God's desire for us is to act on our will and not on our feelings. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? If we are to act on our feelings, we would be in a lot of trouble. Our flesh is unfortunately still a part of us while we are living on this earth. We need to learn, like David did, to keep our emotions in check while making decisions and to act according to the will of God. All throughout the Bible, we are commanded to refrain from things that our emotions would desire us to do. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 24 with today's edition of Come Alive. It's easy to get desensitized towards little things, those little white lies, those small thefts. And I mean small thefts like, you know, you work for some bank and they buy pens and you wind up at home and you're like, man, how did I get 200 blue pens? Or you just think, well, they got enough money, they can afford it. Or maybe you need some manila folders at home for your own filing system and you happen to see a stack and you're like, oh, I'll just take them. Well, my boss said it was okay. Well, are you sure? Well, I'm not feeling real well. I don't want to come in today. And you know what? It's just because you had a rough night's sleep. You feel okay. You're just a little sleepy. You're a little tired. Or the little white lie of, well, you know what? It's a little white lie. It's okay. But yet it's still a lie. And so David says, you know, I'm sensitive to those things. I'm I'm not desensitized towards those little things. And so what happens is when you become desensitized to those little things, well, eventually it'll cause you to become desensitized towards the bigger things later, the bigger things that can take place. And hand in hand with a godly heart is a sensitive conscience. You know, we need to have that, a sensitive conscience. If you don't have one, pray that God give you one. Pray that God give you a sensitive conscience like when you drive by someone on the side of the road and you see them standing there like they have no idea what to do and you might be able to pull over and help them. Now some of us might be like, well, it could be any kind of freak on the side of the road. Well, it could be. It could be. But you know, that might be where you, you do something kind if you got AAA and you're like, hey, I got AAA or you tell them, hey, just stay right there. I'll call somebody for help or is there somebody I can call? I mean, pretty much all of us have cell phones these days. And most people that are stranded on the side of the road can call someone. But every now and then there's that one person that you see. Saw a guy the other day, and and I was driving with one of my guys, and he was carrying a gas can. And I said, dude, let's pull over and help him. He goes, what, do you want to take him to the gas station? And I looked in the back of the truck, and we have two big gas cans. I go, we are the gas station. And we just got stopped. And I said, hey, man, can I give you a gallon of gas? He was like, yeah, that would help. You want some money for it? I said, no, man, just a gallon of gas. So we gave him some gas, 
And he was just like standing there. And he goes, man, he goes, I I stood by my car for a long time trying to wave somebody down. Somebody stopped and gave me a gas can. And he goes, so he told me where the gas station was. And I started walking. He goes, now you stop and you give me gas. I go, awesome. I go, maybe when you get in your car and you start to drive and it doesn't start, somebody will stop and give you a car. I don't know. But I, you know, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, so do you believe in God? And he said, yeah. And I was like, man, these are pretty crazy acts of God. You should praise him. And we had to go and we left. I mean, but it was just, it was just kind of fun to do that. And you just kind of walk away going, man, that was nice. If that was me, I'd sure want somebody to do that for me. But beware of an oversensitive conscience, right? You got to beware of the oversensitive conscience. They, the person that feels guilty about everything. Uh, they're people pleasers. They got these unrealistic expectations and they're insecure in their positions. And then there are those that don't have that problem. They don't feel any guilt when they should. They're a little too hard. And so there's a good balance that we need to have. And I think David had a great balance. He could have killed Saul if he wanted to, if he had to. We saw him do it with Goliath, right? He didn't even hesitate, didn't even blink an eye. He, he didn't even use the weapons of modern warfare. He used the weapons of a shepherd to protect sheep against a man who was suited up. And here he's got a man that's not suited up, and yet he's sensitive to the little things that it's his king, it's the Lord's anointed, it saw belong to God. And so David considered God's word before he gave in to the social pressure. And so this is what makes David a man after God's own heart. He does what God does. He gives his enemies a second chance. Are you like that? You have an enemy. Somebody says something mean to you at work. Somebody does something to you and you don't give them a second chance. You're just ready to crucify them. Crucify them. What are you like? See, he's he's tuned into the will of God. David is tuned into God's will, and that's having a healthy sense of right and wrong. Who Saul was didn't affect who David was, right? Saul was a guy after David for revenge for whatever reason, but that didn't affect the way David acts or behaves. And so it shouldn't affect the way we live our lives either, the way somebody treats you. If they say mean things to you, you shouldn't say mean things back. We teach that to our kids, right? Hey, just because somebody says something mean to you, you don't have to say mean things back. But if you're dealing with someone who's harsh towards you, you know, and they're out to get you, angry towards you, what we need to keep in mind is restoration. We need to keep restoration in mind all the time. And so if if he would have killed Saul, what what would this have shown his men? What, What would David as a leader have shown his men if he would have killed Saul? That whenever you have an enemy, rather than negotiate and reconcile, let's just kill them. Let's just get rid of them. We kind of see this taking place in the news today. Somebody made fun of somebody, and now we just start killing people. Because, well, they represent. And, And that's how racism starts. And that's how horrible things start. So if he would have killed Saul, his men would have been like, Cool, we can just kill anyone who comes after us instead of trying to negotiate and reconcile and restore the situation. Look at verse 8. David also arose afterward. He went out of the cave and he called out to Saul saying, My Lord, the king. This is an amazing thing that David does this. And the way he does it is even more amazing. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped down with his face to the earth and bowed down. Now, some people might say, well, David's a coward. But you got to be an awfully brave person to stand in front of your enemy with your face bowed down to the ground. 
while there's 3,000 trained men that could have killed him. So he bows down. He shows that he's vulnerable. He bows down to show respect. He showed respect because why? Well, because he loved Saul. He loved Saul. You and I are called to love our enemies, right? We know that, but do we do it? Well, we don't have to like them, but we're called to demonstrate the love of Christ to them. I said that to somebody. I said, you don't have to like everybody, but you have to love everyone. They're like, well, how do you love and not like at the same time? Liking means I hang out with you, that I enjoy being around you. I don't have to enjoy being around you to have the love of Christ, to, to want only the best for you. See, he's not, David's not acting on his feelings, but on his will. He's not acting on feelings, but on his will. A lot of times we act on feelings. Well, I'm not in the mood to hang out with you today, so this is the way. And if you treat people based off of your feelings, you're not going to love them very long. We see this happening in a lot of marriages. Well, you know, I've fallen out of love. How do you fall out of love? Well, we fell in love. You fell in, you fall in something else? It's a commitment. It's an act of the will. It's not something that you just, oh, I got warm fuzzies. Because, hey, young people, anyone that's not married, the minute those warm fuzzies go away, well, all of a sudden, commitment takes place. And we tell people that all the time. It's like, hey, it's going to go away. You're not always going to want to do those fun things you do now. So the next time someone's yelling at you and throwing a fit, just say, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? See, Jesus said, you have heard that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's feelings is what he's talking about there, to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and bless those who curse you. He doesn't say anything about, oh, well, you know, until, until they drive you crazy, then it's okay to hate them and then curse them. No, he says, I want you to, to love your enemy and bless those who curse you. And so the next time somebody is after you, saying mean things, doing weird things towards you, just say, hey, man, I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? And then watch the tables turn. They may not. But as long as you take care of business and you, you show the character of Jesus Christ, then things will be better for you. Look at verse 9. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks your harm? Another thing to note is David is honest. And in honesty, he sets the record straight. Look at verse 10. He says, look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you, but my eye, but my eye spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. So David confronts Saul in love. So here's another thing we learn is that we need to confront those people who are after us, trying to hurt us, trying to get us, whatever you feel that they're doing to you that is wrong is we need to confront them. See, most people will say when someone does something wrong, well, I'm just going to leave well enough alone. And that's not healthy because that only allows things to fester. That's wrong. It's really not cool to do. See, you owe it. If it's a friend, you owe it to your friends. My pastor used to say that we must respect and love. Honest confrontation is needed where sin is ongoing. Though we must respect and love, honest confrontation is needed where sin is ongoing. So sometimes where you see a friend sinning, maybe against you or someone else, sometimes an honest confrontation is important. Kind of get in their face in a loving way. Like, hey man, you know, I want to let you know that I love you, but here's a few things that I see you doing wrong. And I don't want to see you 
tumble down the road this way or spiral down that path. Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. You've won him. Sometimes God will send an anointed instrument into your life to help accomplish the change he wants or knows that's best for you. And you might think, yeah, man, I want that. But what if it's a Saul, an anointed instrument? We know that. It says this is, he's the Lord's anointed. Sometimes God may send somebody your way that's like a Saul. So he sends David Saul. If you're tired of the smallness of your walk or your soul and the hardness of your heart and you prayed to be more like Jesus or different than you are, God says, I can help you with that. And then he might send somebody your way that's kind of, well, they rub you the wrong way. You know, people used to say, well, you're rubbing the cat the wrong way. And then you hear, well, turn the cat around. Well, no, that's not the way you do it. You might get that irritable instrument in your life because God's trying to say, hey, you know what? I, you got some rough edges, bro. It, it's not that person about that person. It's, it's about you right now. I'm trying to smooth you out. And so God does it in a long, slow process sometimes. Sometimes it's quick. But God says, okay, I'll help you with that. So Saul's that instrument anointed by God to bring about change to David. Question is, who's the Lord allowed in your life to throw spears at you who brings you grief? God may have brought that person around to work in you, the love and kindness and tenderness you long for, and it may take two or three different Saul's in your life. But the question is, will you stab him in the back or will you cut the fringe? Look at verse 11. Moreover, my father, see... Yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand. So David says, moreover, my father, see, and he holds up the corner of Saul's robe. And this might have freaked Saul out. For in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand. And I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me and let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. So here now, David makes a decision. He, he makes a decision. David's saying, let God work things out between us. I'm going to just turn it over to God. How many of us actually do that? How many of us actually just say, you know what, I'm having a problem with someone, or I'm having this problem, or it could be anything. I'm just going to turn it over to you, Lord. So go ahead, take it. Take it. A lot of times we're just like, oh, no, no, Lord, I got this one. Because I got something to say to that person. And what I got to say, they need to hear. And... Man, you just blow it. Instead of turning it all over to God, and you take matters into your own hands because all of a sudden you start to think, well, I'm the Lord's anointed in my own life. I'm that instrument in my life. Remember, Nathan, he confronts David face-to-face when he sins with Bathsheba. Peter's confronted by Paul. Paul says, I rebuke Peter to his face. To his face. He didn't stab him in the back. To his face. That's a true friend. A true friend says, hey, man, you're blowing it. I'm just telling you right to your face that you're blowing it, and I need to let you know. If you do that, there will be some that will say, well, that's not loving or Christian or New Testament. Well, the only ones that really say that would be unbelievers or immature believers, people who really don't understand true friendship. So if you're really a friend and and you have a friend and you guys are in a little argument or maybe a spouse or whatever, it's better to confront them lovingly rather than just the silent treatment, walking away, turning your back, calling them names, showing them they're number one. 
in the wrong way. Look at verse 13. It says, as the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. So with integrity, he entrusted his enemy to the Lord. Look at verse 14. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog or a flea? David is saying, a dead dog can't attack you, can't hurt you. Anybody ever been attacked by a dead dog? I haven't. I've seen plenty of dead animals in my life, and never has one of them popped up and chased me. There was this dream I had once, but it doesn't count. But a dead dog can't attack you. And if a flea is alive, well, what damage can it really do? Is it going to hurt that bad? So that's what David's saying is like, man, you're coming after me like as if I was some dead dog trying to attack you, which is just insanity. He says, Saul, bro, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. Look at verse 15. Therefore, let the Lord be judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. So David re- refused to act personally. He, he refused to allow this thing to, to get to his feelings. And so, I mean, even though it probably did, and it was personal, he allowed his will to take over. He let the brain start to think things through. Verse 16 says, And so it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son, David? You see the relationship here? David calls him father. Saul calls him son. Yet Saul's trying to kill him. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you see that there's a relationship here. And Saul lifted his voice up and wept. And then he said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now and now I know indeed that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Therefore swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. So David swore to Saul and Saul sent home, went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Righteousness you're taking notes righteousness needs to be the aim righteousness needs to be the aim so you know when you look at this you see you see some stuff here um where where Saul acknowledges that David is more righteous and and when we do things the way God asks us to do things not all the time will it happen this fast but people will eventually see that you are more righteous they might say man you know what I really handled that situation horribly that wasn't the right way to deal with it. So you know what? Hey, you know what? You're right. You're totally right in the way you acted. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry. And so David, you know, when you, when you look at this verse here in verse 22, why didn't David go home too? You know, that was a question I asked. Well, you know, so David swore to Saul and Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. They went back to the cave. Why would they go back to the cave? Well, as sincere as Saul may have been and his intentions seemed very good, David knew, David knew that Saul's flesh was very weak. So Saul didn't have God on his side, right? We hear that all the time. And especially in this, we see how the Lord left. It says, John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. No matter how good the program, no matter how good the intention, the thought, or the idea, we can do no good without God. And so Saul doesn't have God. 
And so no matter how hard one tries, you may strive and strive, and it may be great intentions, but it, without God, well, again, Saul may have been sincere, but he lacked the ability to keep his word because he was no longer walking with the Lord. And we've seen it before. Saul, uh, I promise, I won't kill him. Next time, he's throwing a spear at the guy. So he was no longer walking with the Lord. And we cannot draw strength from God when we're not near God. We can't get strength from God if we're not hanging out with God. That's like saying, I'm, I'm going to get strong, but I'm not going to lift weights. If you're not hanging out in a weight room, you're not going to get strong. If you're not doing exercises to make you strong, you won't be strong. And it's the same thing with us as Christians. If we're not doing the things that make us strong spiritually, you're not going to be strong spiritually. You're, you're going to fail all the time, especially with those things that are tempting you. So we can't draw strength from God when we're not near God. And David did or did not do because he wanted to please the Lord, right? He, 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 David, what he did is he wanted to please the Lord. He wanted to give God all the credit. Proverbs 16, 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So what David did was he wanted to please the Lord. What David didn't do, killing Saul, he wanted to please the Lord. And so the will can function regardless of the temperature of your heart. You know that? No matter how you feel, your will can still function. You just have to make the decision. It's a little tougher, but maybe there's someone here that you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you have a friend, someone here today, you have a friend, a relationship somewhere that's all messed up and maybe you're the one that messed it up or maybe you didn't. Maybe you don't feel that you did, but I would say that if that's the situation going on in your life, maybe you just ask the Lord to show you, to change you. And maybe you need to forgive or ask for forgiveness. Maybe there's someone here today that needs to do that. Maybe there's someone here today that says, hey, I need to ask forgiveness from God. I've blown it over and over and over again. I don't even have a good relationship with him. And so maybe that's, that's you today. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that, to make things right with God. I mean, what kind of place would a church be if it didn't give you opportunity to just call you out and say, hey, you know what, we're all sinners. The Bible tells us we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So if anyone's blown it here, you know what, maybe it's your time today to make things right with God. Maybe you don't know how, or maybe you're afraid, or you got some more questions. We'll have people up here that'll be willing to pray for you, that'll be willing to stand with you and say, hey man, you can tell us your problem. We're not going to air it and put it on a website or anything like that. You don't even have to give us details. But, but God says, you know, hey, just repent. Just repent. You may be familiar with David's story in the book of 1 Samuel. But did you know he was just one of many important characters from the verses of this Old Testament book? Many people's lives are intertwined to bring about God's plan, even some who weren't following their creator. God used each person to pave the way for David to ascend the throne and ultimately to bring about salvation for the entire world through his line. Today, you may be a David in your own world. God may be calling you to huge things that will take you to potentially dangerous but ultimately wonderful places. On the other hand, You might be someone God is using to prepare the way for another or to support them in their role. This doesn't in any way diminish your importance. Wherever you are in life, you can be demonstrating God to the world. If you'd like us to pray for you as you seek God's will for your life, please give us a call. We can be reached at 281-391-5503. That number again is 281-391-5503. 
If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen to other editions of Come Alive, we'd like to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast. Find us on your smartphone app store or subscribe on iTunes. You'll receive up-to-date teachings as soon as we make them available. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time to continue studying through 1 Samuel right here on Come Alive. Come Alive.